This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. All right, guys, welcome back to the Eat Like Ruby podcast. We are back today with another guest episode, which is super exciting. Today's guest is Eats by M, who is the co-coach in Eat Like Ruby. She works with a lot of the Eat Like Ruby girls. So the first guest episode was Denbar, who is my own personal coach. Second guest episode is my sidekick co-coach, M. So I feel like it just made sense to get the two people in that I actually work with in terms of nutrition. So M, do you want to introduce yourself? Do you want to just tell everyone who you are, what you do, all of that? Yeah, so I am Emma. I run Eats by M. I've been doing that for a few years now. I work as a personal trainer as well out of a gym called UFC, but I do focus a lot on just the online nutrition world, just like Ruby does as well. Yeah, so pretty much just focus solely on gen pop. I don't tend to work with, you know, a lot of your athletes or anything. I just want to work with your just casual Susan who just needs to get a little bit healthier and just feel a bit better about herself. Yay, I love that. And I think I said that to you in the email about the episode. I feel like it's something you do really well. I even said to Shaq, I said, it's so good to get Emma on really early. I said, I feel like she's so kind and she's so patient and she's really good with just everyday people when they're learning, when they're beginners. Um, Like I said, Em does some work in Eat Like Ruby and she's so helpful in the Facebook group and everything. Sometimes I'll go in and I'll see a question And I'm like, how am I going to tackle this? And then I look and you've already had like a back and forth combo with that person. And I'm like, M is all over it. So I feel like that's so true. Like when you say you love to work with just everyday gen pop people, I feel like you do it so well. So it's awesome. Like I said, I said to Em, like, I don't want today's episode to be too like strict Q&A-ish. I just feel like it could be a cool combo. I feel like a really great place to start. We're going to take it in a few directions today. Obviously, like I said, this is coming out early in the new year. We know people are super motivated for health and fitness in the new year, which is really cool. But I think it'd be really cool to start with your own personal journey because I have like seen bits of this on social media, but I've never kind of heard the whole thing or seen the whole thing. I know you've Um, correct me if I'm wrong but you've dabbled in like fitness physique comps yep cool and I feel like now you don't really do that Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's really cool it's something that I'm trying to bring a bit more attention to this year is that concept of people thinking like leaner and lighter is always better Um, so I'd love to hear just your own personal story and then we can kind of get more into that combo yeah, certainly. So, like, I think I started, like, most people, like, you you hear people around you making comments about your body and saying, oh, you know, what happens if you're smaller or they talk about other women who are smaller than you as well. And I ended up uh, about grade 12 starting just, like, high-intensity gyms, just smashing myself with cardio. I knew no different. I wasn't educated in this department. I remember doing a six-week challenge, which was run by, you know, a dietitian in this gym. And I did nothing in it. Like, I honestly didn't stick to it one day. I was forging my logs. I <laughs> I got nowhere. I remember going into the, the wane at the end and the, they did my scale. It had not changed at all. And they just looked at me, handed me my paper and said, next. You know, it was just like I wasn't I wasn't wanting to do it. I felt like I did it for the wrong reasons or for other people. So it would have been about six months later I'd finally just decided – no, I've had enough. Like I wasn't over overweight, but I just wanted to be healthier. You know, I was 
doing the the comfortable relationship stuff. We eat a Macca's family feed at night with each other, and <laughs> I thought, oh, I better break this habit. So, is this? I did, did you next- say? <laughs> did you say this was end of year twelve or like coming? Yes. Out? Yeah. Uh, around the end of year 12. Yeah. How so old are you? I'm 26 now. Yeah. I'm 26 now, so about 10 years. I remember doing the, the next challenge and I thought, that's it. I'm going to stick to everything. I'm going to be 100% on point for it. I was like, I did really well. In the six weeks, I had lost about 10 kilos, which is exorbitant because I was only about 65 kilos to start with. Whoa. So I got my results back from the end of, like, we did a body scan at the end. In that near 10 kilos, I'd actually lost about six kilos of muscle mass. And that was simply because I didn't understand, you know, what your body needs. I had just been given this plan that was probably about a 1,000 calories, and it was just like breakfast you can choose, you know, an apple and this piece of meat. And then lunch you can choose, like, this carb, this fat, this meat. And it was very generalized. It was just – Anyone under 75 kilos got this meal plan. Anyone under like 95 kilos got this meal plan. But then, you know, I was like, sweet, I've lost all this weight. I'm like 55 kilos. I'm healthy. And then the coach suggested I do a fitness competition. And I sort of was like, oh, yeah, like not really interested, but loved the idea of being on stage. You know, I was a dancer, being on stage and wearing glam bikinis and looking fit and, you know, getting those photos and just being noticed, I guess. I was sort of a lot younger at that point. So, yeah, I decided to embark on that. And that's when I decided to start looking into the fitness industry and start looking more into bodybuilding. I transitioned from, you know, being a cardio bunny to weight training and pursuing strength goals from there. Um, But at that point, I was already really low body fat. I was already really small. And then I was going to enter a bodybuilding competition in, you know, like a 16-week prep when I'd already spent six weeks just drastically losing muscle mass. So were you, were you like a PT or anything at this point or were you just – No. Yeah. No, I was uh, I was working retail. So I'd worked in an optometrist for, you know, 10 years before being a personal trainer and, yeah, was had no education level at this point for it. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I pretty much got into a 16-week prep. I trained. I did a two-week surplus before going back into a deficit – you know, I was guided by what I thought was a really well-educated uh, coach. You know, they had all these fancy degrees and they'd been to university and spent all this money. They'd never coached a bikini competitor though. So, but they'd done a lot of like weight loss stuff. You know, I got to the point, I did really well in my competition. I got myself down to like 6% body fat. I placed second overall. Wow. I had a fantastic time, but it was the post-comp that got me. It was finishing a competition and having no support. It was, you know, realizing that you're so used to eating a thousand calories, but what do you do now? You know, you can't sustain that. You can't sustain that weight. You know, I had suffered a lot of negative effects from dieting. I had, you know, lost my period. I hadn't had that for over a year at this point. I um, was, you know, low libido. I had no energy. I remember just laying in bed some days and just not even moving and barely blinking just to conserve energy. I was like, moody as hell people just couldn't look at me and my coach was like sweet you've done your competition I'm off let me know if you want to do another one down the track and that's where it ended so I remember spending about six months just obsessed over tracking obsessed over weighing my food like couldn't eat out I had to weigh things to the gram and I just realized um, I remember following a few other girls who'd competed and I seen some of their stories and 
I clearly remember this girl uh, sharing her story on how to make your peanut butter less like cal- a caloric dense. And she was pouring the oil off the peanut butter and she was th- draining that so she could save a few calories per tablespoon. And at that point I was just like, I was mind blown. I was like, this is not normal. This is so disordered and there's so many girls in the exact same situation and I don't want this for anyone else. And that was my turning point. That was like, you know what? You've got to sort your shit out. You've got to, you know, I don't want any other girls to be stuck in this situation. So I decided to educate myself at that point and do my nutrition course. I decided that I didn't want other women to feel this struggle and this, you know, this mental challenge and this battle with themselves every single day because of another coach who, you know, poorly educated them. So I wanted there to be a higher level, you know, out there in coach services for people. Yeah. So, Did you, yeah. like, to cut you off, how old were you at this point, do you reckon? Um, so I competed at about 20, 21. So I'd sort of just started my cardio bunny train little thing and, um, yeah, pretty much from, from that to my fitness competition. And then as soon as that finished, I literally started studying. Yeah. And did you study nutrition before fitness? Uh, yeah. So I was only going to become a nutritionist. That was like my ideal because I had a big belief that nutrition was the backbone. It's the foundation for everything. Um, but I also learned that once I became a qualified nutritionist that people needed both. They needed both aspects of fitness and training. And I was having the trouble of trying to do nutrition for some people, but then have PTs elsewhere and then trying to get, you know, different coaches to coincide with the same sort of mindset and, you know, methods as well, which is a lot harder. Yeah, for sure. That's really cool because I feel like nearly everybody does fitness first and then they go and do nutrition second. So I think it's really cool that you did that first, just randomly. Um, I feel like you basically (laughs) just sold the idea that leaner and lighter is not better. Like if you're laying in bed. Leaner and lighter is not better. I'm telling you people, it is not better. Like you can feel like, like, Honestly, it's cool. You look in the mirror and you go, sick. I've got a six pack. I'm ripped, you know, whatever it might be. But then you realize that there's so many negatives to it. You're so obsessed. You hate your partner. You hate your family. You know, you've got no ass, no legs, no boobs. You're hungry all the time. You No libido. Like you just don't want to be around anyone or do anything. So I'm a very big believer that you need to have a healthy body fat percent. We've triggered her. She's spiraling. (laughs) We've triggered me now. Don't even talk to me about competitions. No, that's really cool. I think, um, like I said, you basically just sold it. But I think it's super important. Like I've I've done a few podcasts. I think you're probably going to be about the sixth or seventh one that comes out. And obviously you and I both help people work towards a fat loss goal. So it is awesome if somebody has the fat loss goal, it's realistic, we put a, a good plan in pro, a good plan in place and they work towards it all in a healthy way. Like we don't want to we don't just tell everybody that lighter is always worse. But I think like in, in your situation and you probably see it with a lot of clients like I do, it's people that are in that position that are already lean and light. And then it's just kind of this fixation with a scale number or being a little bit lighter, those last two kilos, whatever it might be. And I feel like that's where we see leaner and lighter not always being better because for those last two kilos or to crack into that new weight range or whatever that person has set as the goal can so often be the difference between being able to go out to eat, being able to train well, 
being able to eat the same meals as your partner. I literally think I spoke about this in the last episode, just about the things that I have to do differently to push fat loss. And then when I'm not doing that, like I can eat the same dinner as Shaq. We can go out for dinner a little bit more and just little things like that. So I think it's important if you're listening to just know like leaner and lighter can be better. But if you feel like it is coming at the cost of so many things, that's that's really what we want to look at here. And I said in the last episode, I think it was the last episode, but I've been ranting so much, I can't even keep up. <laughs> but um, when we when we are that super lean and lightweight, like when we hit that peak low body fat level and then people get scared to come up and come away from that, one thing that I've been really asking myself and asking a few clients is like, what else am I gaining? Because people get into that mindset like I said of like if the scale goes up by two kilos it's like I've gained two kilos and it's like yeah but you could have also gained a way better mindset a way better training performance more flexibility more meals out better sleep better mood better libido better energy better like mindset with cravings and all that sort of thing and the big thing that people miss out on even a better body composition and I've posted about this myself and I reckon when I look at you I I think the same thing for me, my peak lean lightweight is actually like a little bit scrawny. I don't love the physique of it as opposed to gaining maybe three or four kilos and just feeling like a bit curvier, a bit fitter, like I just like my body more. And I think that's such an important thing to put out there because for so many people, it is that two or three kilo window that they dread and they try and avoid. And it's like the rest of your life could be so much better with that two or three kilos on and your physique can be too. Well, the other aspect of it as well is like leaner is obviously like uh, with the leaner is sometimes like better. It's like everyone's body and physique is going to be different as well. So it's like the the end goal is pretty much just to have a physique that you're happy with that doesn't detriment your lifestyle. At the end of the day, it's all about balance. And some people are genetically going to be a lot smaller than other people. They're going to be able to sustain a lower body fat and a lower weight than a lot of people. So it's like you know, just because Lena works really well for somebody else, it doesn't mean it's going to work for yourself or for a friend or a family member. But the end goal is just to be, you know, have balance and not have these negative effects in your life because of that, like you said, that two or three kilo difference. Yeah, a hundred percent. And coming back to like the scale in particular, I mean, it. I probably need to do a whole episode on the scale at some point because yeah. it's such a combo. But I think using myself as an example, people get very adamant. I've definitely spoken about this in previous episodes about kind of breaking into a new weight range. Like if someone is 61, they always want to get under 60. If someone is 71, they want to get under 70. And for myself personally, my sort of peak low weight is around that 56, 57 mark. And my ideal body, what I think looks like my best body is around the 61 kilo mark. So if we look at at those numbers... So often I get girls that come to me that are 61 kilos and they're like, I'd love to see a 50 on the scale for the sake of seeing a five on the scale. That's all it is. And that's where we really have to look and say, what have you attached to that number? Like nobody, I've said this to girls before, nobody wants to weigh a certain number to like walk into work and be like, guys, guys, I've hit the fifties, like put down the phones. I'm in a new weight range. Like no one actually knows or cares. The driving thing behind that is like, I want to feel better and I want to look better. And I think it's so important to disregard leaner, lighter, heavier, whatever, and really come back to that question of how do I look? How do I feel? Like that's the end goal for so many people is they want to look better so they feel better like they feel more confident they feel healthier 
all of those things. And I think so often it's just this attachment to hitting a new number or staying at the at the low number that you might have hit. And we need to come back to that question of like, what do you actually want to look like and feel like? Because it doesn't have to be attached to a number. Well, it's also the understanding of like your value and your worth isn't determined by the scale. You know, I'm such a big believer in pushing for – you know, I don't focus a lot of my progress on scale because it can fluctuate from too many external factors. And the thing is, people obsess too much over one little one little number. It's like if the scale jumps 100 grams or 200 grams, suddenly they're just not worthwhile. They're not worthy of life. They're not worthy of love. Like, you know, it's like, and it doesn't come down to that. Like nobody knows how much you weigh. Nobody remembers you by your weight. They look at you and they remember you by your laughter and your smile and what you offer the world and, you know, your personality. So it's like... Nobody looks at you and goes, oh, no, you've gained 200 grams. Suddenly we can't be friends and just, like, runs away. (laughs) And it's such a big thing for me to make sure it's, like, you know, not just clients but my friends and my family as well understand that their value isn't based on that. And it's just one little number, you know. As you mentioned, your low weight to your, like, you know, comfortable weight as well, your energy levels would vastly change in that. You know, your muscle mass would vastly change in that. Your sleep would improve. There's so many more positives to finding a weight that your body sits at comfortably than necessarily than just at a low level, you know. Yeah. My scale started about 65. I got down to about 52 for comp, and I've been all the way up near 70 for bulking season. So it's like I've been through a various, <laughs> you know, weight range, But, like, where I'm at now is pretty much where I started, except my physique is, you know, 50 times different. Yeah. My starting, you know, I'm 65 when I started. I'm 63 now, and I look nothing like how I started. Yeah, and that's that's such a good point, and I was going to go in that direction anyway, of we see girls all the time with that goal of wanting to build muscle in particular, like build a booty, build my glutes, build my legs, and it's so crazy how many people have that goal and are then wanting to see the scale go down. And it's like, forget all the emotion, forget all of those things that you just said. Let's look at the actual facts. You're wanting to grow and gain something and hoping the scale goes down. It's like saying, I want to get in a better financial position. Hopefully my bank account goes down. Like it actually doesn't make sense when we think about it. And people will be in that position all the time where they want to, you know, I want to build a booty. I want to grow my glutes but I don't want to see the scale go up. And it's like this number has to come from somewhere. Like, sorry, this growth has to come from somewhere. So that's one part to it. And then like you said, with the attachment to the number, like what 63 kilos might have looked like once can look very, very different after years of training and, and all of that. And I guess the biggest piece here too is for so many people, they're in that position of wanting to hit a certain weight or, you know, lose weight because they feel very lost and and like it's out of their control. So it's quite a desperate thing of like, I just need to lose some weight. I just want to lose some weight. And I think the most important thing, and this is why I love having you work for Eat Like Ruby, because you and I, I think, are very on the same page with this, is like, if you want to lose weight, you can. If you want to gain weight, you can. The biggest thing I want clients to walk away with is feeling like they can control that at any time. If I want to lose weight... I know how to do that in a healthy, enjoyable way for the most part. If I want to gain weight, I know how to do that. I think the biggest 
thing here that people don't acknowledge is it's the lack of control that is so upsetting to people. They feel like they're a victim to weight gain. They don't feel like they know how to just change it if they wanted to. Whereas we want to educate people to be like, you don't have to take your weight in any direction, but if you ever wanted to change your body composition, you've got the skill, the knowledge, the ability to actually do it now and and pull it off. Yeah, 100%. Like education's the foundation to everything. You know, if you, it's like you could follow some six-week program that's on YouTube for all I care and it's like you'll do it but you'll have nothing to show for it you might lose a bit of weight but you're going it's it's like when I first did my challenge I got a meal plan that just had like pick this protein pick this carb I knew nothing about macros so it's like I if I didn't have guidance or education after that I would have just gained it all back which is one thing I see clients you know they come to me and they said oh back in 2019 I lost 10 kilos but then I gained 15 yeah. and it's like well how did you lose that 10 kilos oh I followed this fad diet that I seen on TikTok that told me to cut out everything and just drink lemon water like it's like of course of course you're going to lose weight for that but like what did you what did you gain from it what did you learn like you know and it's like nothing like I don't know I don't I don't understand why it didn't stay off so you know, the one thing I can provide a client is a bit of education so that they can, you know, carry this journey themselves and, you know, embark on this throughout all different stages of their life. And that's the one thing I want to be able to provide them. Yeah, 100%. So obviously, like you said, you work in the gym and you work with um, people online as well. But recently we did the episode about do's and don'ts with New Year's nutrition and New Year's training. What are sort of the common things you see people doing wrong this time of year? What would you advise people to do this time of year? If somebody's like listening to this, it's January, 2023 is my year. Where do I start? Well, look, 2023 is your year. Let's not take that away from you. Um, But honestly, the biggest area I find people go wrong is they just go too hard too quickly. They start their new year and suddenly they've got all these new goals, but they don't really have a desired outcome from it. They just go, I'm going to start on the gym five days a week. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But it's not realistic in their lifestyle. You know, these are people who probably have families and kids and they've got, you know, full-time jobs to go to and they're not always going to have the time or the energy or even just the desire to go to the gym five times a week and smash themselves at a workout. So I'm a big believer in being realistic. At the end of the day, if you can only do one workout a week, do one workout a week. That's better than doing nothing. And if you can do three, well, fantastic. Commit to three sessions. But don't overcommit yourself because you're simply setting yourself up for failure. And there's nothing more intimidating or overwhelming than setting these massive goals that you know really aren't possible in your schedule because you let yourself down and then you just guilt yourself into not going anyway. So be really realistic about it. Um don't follow these TikTok exercise trends because you will see some very interesting uh, exercises that aren't really beneficial to you. So stick to the basics. I don't have um, TikTok. I feel like I, I'm missing out on something here. You're missing out on some stuff, I'm telling you. But, you know, I just think there's all these fancy ways to do movements that aren't really, you know, the best method or the safest method. So stick to the fundamentals. They're there for a reason. You know, people do similar movements because they're proven to work. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help at the gym, you know, especially personal trainers, whether you want to get one or not, we walk around the gym, we're very open to have conversations, we are very open to helping you, even if you aren't a client of ours, you know, we want you to get your goals and achieve them as much as you do. So, you know, ask for advice, ask for help, people are actually super friendly at most gyms. Um, and yeah, 
if you are in a gym that isn't friendly, probably change, but there's plenty <laughs> of support for you. Like I said at the start, you're so kind. You're so patient, Em. <laughs> it's um, true though. Like how, how often do you go into a gym where you feel like, like the gyms I surround myself in, I'm either like walking through like a boss and just acting like I know what I'm doing or I'm like walking up to people and just like doing random stuff. You see me in the corner just dancing around and bopping and it's like, <laughs> I'm not scary. You can ask me for help. It's fine. No, that's so true. And I feel like everything you said ties in so well with all the episodes I've done. Um, we did the, like I said, the do's and don'ts of New Year's nutrition, which was pretty much like you said about making that assessment of, do I have a family? Do I have other commitments? Am I studying? Whatever it might be for the individual. And how do I actually work my nutrition around those things as opposed to doing something drastic that's just not going to fit with everything else and coming back to like what you said before doing something dramatic from TikTok or doing a dramatic (laughs) challenge or whatever we spoke about that definitely in terms of like what if it if it was an eight-week challenge for example like what happens in week nine and I think that comes back to everything we've already spoken about about just having the actual education and understanding to carry this on forever, make it work with your lifestyle, enjoy it, all of those things. Anything we talk about really just ties in, like any little rant we go off on, even if it's in yeah. other episodes, it all kind of comes back to that same point, but it's it's because it's true. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the baseline of everything. It's our, it's our foundation beliefs it is. You know, even when you mentioned the, you know, the challenges and what do you do in week nine, it's also like make sure the challenge suits you. You know, I had a client reach out recently and she was looking at, this challenge that was going viral on TikTok that everyone was saying that she should do. And it pretty much just cuts out everything in your life for a three-month period. And she messaged me, you know, we coach together and she just goes, what's your thoughts? Like, I think I know what you're going to say, but what are your thoughts? And I ranted to her, told her not to message me that rubbish anyway. But she come back to me and she goes, you're right though. Like, what do I do after day 75? What do I do then? Like, if I've cut all this stuff out and I've just – you know, taking all the enjoyment out of my life, am I on day 76 going to go binge eat or, you know, go and do something stupid because I haven't been able to incorporate that in my life? So Yeah, 100%. And, and we spoke about that in those other episodes too, about people almost getting to the point where they're like, I can't wait for this to be over so I can go out for tea, so I can eat this again, so I can live my life. And that's where we see it very quickly come undone. Are you talking about, um, is it 75 hard or hard yeah. 75, yeah. whatever it's called? Yeah. yeah and I I think something to even acknowledge there is I've posted about this before and it's probably a whole nother topic but extremes are easy in a sense to to cut everything out and just go balls to the wall for an allocated time is somewhat easy obviously there's a big trade-off and it can be intense but it's quite it's quite easy simple I should say it's quite simple to do that as opposed to putting your ego aside putting your time frame aside and being like I'm going to actually really invest time, money, energy, whatever it is, into learning how to do this long-term. I think that's a harder thing. Learning how to include everything in moderation and actually manage all aspects of your nutrition is somewhat harder because you've got to actually really, like I said, invest that time and energy into doing so. And that's where I think people can sort of be like, you know, my extreme diet, my 75 hard, whatever it is, like wear it like a badge of honour. And it's like, would you would you dedicate a year instead of going seventy five hard or seventy five hard days? Would you dedicate a year to learning and and stuff? And people don't really do that because they're yeah. like, no, I want the result right now. 
And it's a whole nother thing. Everyone's so quick for instant gratification. They want instant results. And it's like, you know, once again, it comes down to, like you said, the ego. And it's just like you, like you said, it's easy to cut out everything for 75 days, but learning uh, new habits and new routines that this can be a long-term lifestyle for you is hard. It's not an easy journey, you know, but it's one of those journeys that you do this now and that's the last journey you've got to embark on you don't have to embark on a, a three month death window every year it's like you've now got this new lifestyle these new habits it just becomes routine you know even to things like working out like I remember when I started working out it was like dragging myself to the gym but it's just like brushing my teeth in the morning now I just do it and I just show up because it's habitual yeah, for sure. I think it's all so true. I love the three-month death window. I feel like that's <laughs> that's going to be the next TikTok challenge. <laughs> One thing I love about you, and I feel like it's probably just going to keep your story going, like the original story you were telling about your journey, is um, I've said this to you before, but like I can literally go on Instagram and see Emma like out for breakfast eating hot chips. And like, <laughs> so she'll be having like, uh, maybe like a BLT with chips and I'm like are you eating chips at 10 a.m and she's like hell yeah I am but then at the same time like that night I'll see on your story like you're having meat and veg and you're like guys get your veg in and whatever and I think that is true balance I've spoken a little bit um in recent episodes about balance like I feel like the word balance is so bashed in the industry and I think a lot of people do bash it or they even don't even realize that they've got really shitty habits like they might diet really hard in the week blow out on the weekends slap the word balance on it and get stuck in that loop and they're like oh I mean you know but it's balance like I, I stuck to my diet yeah. during the week and then the weekend was terrible but it's you know hashtag balance and I feel like a lot of people do that but they're very very unhappy like they they don't enjoy the diet they don't enjoy the blowout it's it's a very shitty cycle but they justify it as balance whereas I feel like you actually have great balance which is hard to find (laughs) well the difference is is like people use the term balance to make themselves feel better about their shitty situations 100 percent. i had this chat with my partner recently because there's you know all these fitful lenses and these like you know people who look good you know whatever it is and then they have like a a saturday morning post and it's like oh feeling hungover but life is about balance (laughs) and it's like no like you can have a drink and you can enjoy yourself, but you're only calling it balance now because you went too hard last night because you didn't know how to control yourself or, you you know, you restricted yourself so much. So yeah, it's it is like it's to, sort of how people justify it, hey? Yeah, makes themselves feel better about a situation. But at the end of the day, you don't need to explain to anyone why you've gone out and drink, uh, gone out drinking or why you're having a meal. At the end of the day, balance is being able to include everything any day in moderation for yourself. And that means, you know, like I have some girls who, you know, during their cycle, their balance looks like, you know, chocolate for breakfast. And it's like, cool, we can do that. That starts your morning well. And then we create the freedom, like the the food variety throughout the day. But it's like you, the, fa- the fact that you feel the need to explain Playing yourself with the term balance that make other people go, oh, well, that's why they're drinking. It's just they're, they're creating balance in their life. Is the fact that you've got an ego and you're trying to create this image for other people so you can uphold something. <laughs> 100%. I, I feel like that's the case for the people that do it publicly. And then I feel like on the flip side, there are the people who aren't, you know, aren't an influencer. They, they aren't doing it for anyone. Yeah. They're genuinely just on their own journey. But they've gotten stuck in that shitty thing where it is 
attempting a, a diet they don't really enjoy during the week. By the end of the week, they, they're off it, they blow out, they spiral on the weekends and then they're sort of like balance, 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 but low key, they're actually like, I can't wait to get back on my diet on Monday. And I think that's, that's the biggest difference is if you're, if you're not in that, um, influence of influence thing and, and, and you're just like a, you know, running your own race. If you're using the word balance to actually try and make yourself feel better, that's where I would look and say, you've got to dig a bit deeper and get some education here because I've said this in masterclasses before, often people can find themselves in this cycle where it's like maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're on a really strict diet that they don't enjoy. At some point, they fall off track, quote unquote, blow out. Very quickly, the blowout becomes unenjoyable by like midday Saturday or whatever. They're not enjoying that even earlier. Normally after that first meal, people are like, shit, I quote unquote, shouldn't have done that. I feel quite crappy. I'm going to keep this going all weekend, but like I said, low key, I can't wait to get back on my diet on Monday morning. And when we step back and look at that cycle, it's three or four days of doing a diet you don't enjoy. It's three or four days of feeling like shit because you've fallen off track with it and you can't wait to get on back on track with the diet you don't enjoy. Yeah. Then you're back on that. You can't wait to blow out. When you blow out, you can't wait to get back on track. And it's yeah. all of a sudden, this is your life. And when we step back, like I said, and look at the whole thing, no part of it is actually enjoyable. You don't enjoy the diet and you don't enjoy the blowout. And then a lot of people will be like, but I need balance. And they genuinely believe they need balance, but they don't actually know what balance is. Yeah. And the hard thing as well with that is it's like, it's just learning about incorporating in moderation. You know, it's a while ago, the big thing was cheat meals. And it's just like, we, we are on a diet for so long and then we have a cheat day and we just eat whatever the hell we want. But it's just like you shouldn't be – you shouldn't feel so restricted that you need one day to blow out, like you said. You should be able to be happy every single day and even learn to enjoy things in moderation. You know, we're a society that's surrounded by so much food availability, so much treats and so much takeaway that we don't know what a, a normal portioned meal is anymore. We don't know how to enjoy a, a small part of chocolate or a bit of ice cream without having the whole bowl. So it's like – we have to retrain ourselves and retrain our taste buds to understand that not everything has to be like super delicious and, you know, fireworks in my mouth. And, <laughs> you know, even for the fact of going out to restaurants now, a restaurant meal portions are ridiculous. You know, yeah. they're not a normal sized meal. They are two to three people. Most places are these days. So it's like, we're surrounded by everyone like overfeeding us and giving us so much variety that it is hard to understand where that fine line would be of like including things in moderation, but without blowing out. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think where a lot of people can go wrong and we, I think we forget this because we're in quite a good place with it and our girls get to quite a good place with it and whatever. But I think a lot of people think that their nutrition has to be like chicken and broccoli or salad (laughs) or, you know, super boring or I'm over here and I'm blowing out. And it's like, what if we took this chicken and broccoli meal and we just mixed it up with a range of veggies that you actually liked and then what if we add some sauce that you actually (laughs) like and all of a sudden the meal is still a really good quality meal it ticks so many boxes but you actually look forward to it and you actually enjoy it I think too many people think that it has to be so strict so quote-unquote clean perfect all of this otherwise I'm just spiraling and I'm completely off track and it's like there's such a crazy sweet spot in the middle and if people allowed themselves to dabble in that sweet spot, and I think that's where education is key, you don't 
have to go so far on, into the blowout zone because you're not spending so much time in this restricted zone over here. It's just yes. so much more time actually balanced. <laughs> yeah, and that is a tough part, you know, like obviously old school like methods was just like boiled chicken and broccoli <laughs> and like plain rice, you know, but we we are in a different time now with our fitness and our, you know, our health journey and our education level and we can offer you know, better knowledge to clients to help them. But it is one of those things where people get caught up in the one percenters. They go, oh, but sauce has this additive or this sweetener in it, so I can't have it. But then they don't mind getting, you know, the, the family feed on the weekend. So it's, it's like if we just took out and looked at our food as a whole and look at it from a logical perspective as well, that's one thing as a coach I had to learn was to remove the emotion from things. You know, my emotion will often tell me, oh, this isn't good for you, oh, the scale's gone up or something, you know, that affects me. But the logical side of things is, well, if I don't do this, I am going to blow it and I'm going to go off track. And you have to have logic to reason with yourself rather than emotion because emotion unfortunately doesn't serve a lot of purposes in our you know, uh, our food, especially when we are trying to diet or gain because we get caught, we get too caught up in it. We, we you know, we, we're our own worst enemies when it comes to emotion. Yeah, 100%. I think it's so funny that you, you say people get caught up in the one percenters. One thing I've been getting so often lately is people asking if I have milk in my coffee. And I <laughs> always just think to myself, like, I'm so out there and open with my meals like people know how much Nutella I eat people know I eat ice cream every night all this stuff and I I've honestly been thinking to myself like do people genuinely think milk in the coffee is where I would draw the line do people think like she could do all this but if she puts a dash of milk in the coffee it's fucked shit that's that's the thing but the yeah but the crazy thing is when people don't understand nutrition and calories and all of that, I think they genuinely think that's true. Like, oh, f- for whatever reason, she's worked out how to get Nutella in her days or whatever, but don't you dare put a dash of milk in the coffee. Like, it- it's crazy how people can think like that one thing would be the thing, you know, where people are like, I, I can't have bread. And like you said, yes. people don't hesitate at all to-, to have a family feast on a Saturday night, but then on Monday, it's like, no, 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 I don't eat bread. And it's like, yes, exactly right. Oh my god, you think you think bread—that one slice of bread—is the deciding factor on your week with everything else that's going on? You think it comes down to that piece of bread? Yeah, it's even like that conversation when people talk about different protein powders, and I'm like, look, whatever one tastes good for you, because at the end of the day, it's not going to make a huge difference. You know, you you're not a you know a professional athlete. If you can hit your protein targets and you have you know the brand that somebody says is bad for you, but it tastes good, you enjoy it, it doesn't upset your stomach, then go for it. Like yeah. at the end of the day, it's what works for you and it's okay to enjoy things that somebody, you know, might go, oh, you shouldn't have that because it's, you know, like the Pepsi Max deal and people are like, oh, it's got sweeteners in it. Oh, God. It's like, yeah, but it helps you stick to your diet and it helps you feel good and it gives you that treat throughout the day. And if that's what works for you, then it's what that's what matters. Yeah, and I think, like we've said a million times, I think that's just where education is key. I think too many people are like, you know, I've heard I shouldn't have bread. I've heard I shouldn't have Pepsi Max. And it's like, if you're going to, I I say this a million times, but we're going to be eating for the rest of our life. If you're going to put strict rules on your entire life, you should at least know why. If you're going to say, I'm never doing this again, I'm not allowed to do this. Every time I do this, I am bad. If you're going to do that... every day between now and the day you die, you should at least have a very good reason why. Yeah. 
And like, remember to learn from experiences as well. Like you're going to go through so many different journeys and phases. And it's like, if you trial something and it doesn't work for you, sweet, take note of it and just don't do it again. Like don't do a six week challenge and hate yourself afterwards. But then three months later, jump on the exact same six week challenge. I've so I talked like- about that in that <laughs> other episode when I said they're almost designed that way for you to get a short term result come out the other side, realize you can't stick to it. Conveniently, they're running another one in a few weeks and you're like, yeah. oh, well, that quote unquote worked for me. And then all of a sudden we step back and it's two years of doing the same challenge, losing weight, gaining it, losing weight, gaining it. It's a whole shit show. <laughs> Welcome to the fitness industry. <laughs> right. Um, and there, there was one other thing I was going to say on that topic of, you know, when people are like, I won't add sauce to my meals and this and all, and all that. I've posted about this before, but for a lot of people – it's like, you know, if, if they want to run with that theory of I won't have sauce on this meal, let's say they take a super bland, boring meal to work. They're sitting there all morning thinking, I've got the shittest lunch waiting for me <laughs> on my lunch break. Lunch comes around. They kind of try and eat it. They have a little bit. They're sort of kicking it around. They might throw some of the broccoli in the bin. And then they go into the afternoon thinking, that was shit. That was boring. My diet sucks. What else can I eat? Like, there's no satisfaction there. There's just that missing piece of it wasn't enough. Physically, it probably didn't fill you up. But mentally, emotionally, it just wasn't enjoyable, whatever. And then it turns into like, fuck it, I'm going to eat some biscuits off the the, um, tea room. Like, I'm going to eat some biscuits out of the tea room. I'm going to, you know, now I've eaten the biscuits, stuff it. I'm hitting the vending machine. I'm getting a chocolate bar. Oh, so-and-so's going to get coffee I'll get one of them yeah get me a cake whatever and it's like just because you didn't put sauce on your meal that could have been maybe 50 to 100 calories you know you've thought that that was quote-unquote wrong you've stopped yourself from doing that like I said that meal then hasn't provided you with enough satisfaction to get through the day you're left in that mindset of thinking what else can I have and it turns into a thousand calorie afternoon where it's like you could just put some sauce on your lunch actually enjoyed it stuck to your plan, felt significantly better physically, mentally, emotionally, like it's a whole thing. Well, there's like, there's, I see two parts to that is one, it's like you don't just have to have physical satisfaction. You should look at a meal and you should feel like you should better smell it. You should better look at it and it physically appeals to your eyes. You know, when you taste it, you should have different textures and you should feel obviously physically full from it as well. But the other part of it is the same thing as what you're saying is instead of adding 50 calories of they go and binge on a thousand calories of snacks and it's like when people want you know an ice cream but they go oh but the ice cream's not healthy i'm going to substitute it for this and then they go and substitute it for like a protein pudding and they don't feel satisfied and they go and substitute it for an apple which doesn't satisfy them then they go and substitute it for you know five different protein sort of health snacks that cost them 150 dollars and then they have the ice cream anyway, and then it's like, sweet. So that 500 calories in the middle was unnecessary because you would have felt satisfied if you just had what you were craving, had what you wanted. Yeah, and again, comes back to the education of if you knew yeah. how to just portion that in, it's a game changer because you would portion it in and you also wouldn't have this internal, this constant internal battle of I shouldn't eat that, yes, I should, I want this, this is good, this is bad, I've fucked up, I'm spiralling, I'm back on track. It's a whole thing and when we think about it, like I said, we're going to be eating forever. If you don't actively seek education or seek a way out of that, that is going to be your reality forever. Yes. And And you just want to feel good. at At the end of the day, you just want to feel good and you want to do things that make you feel good, you know. You want to put yourself in situations and scenarios that fill your soul and your body and make you happy. And if, 
you're like, you know, going to a trashy job and then coming home to trashy food and dealing with all these trashy situations, that's how you're going to feel. So it's important to control what you can control and find enjoyment where you possibly can in life. Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like we've pretty much covered the last question. The last question I was going to, or the last topic I was going to cover were, was, um, like the example meal plans that we write for eat like Ruby and yours are always super delicious. Like the meals and the snacks and everything look awesome. And again, it comes back to that real perfect balance of enjoyable, tasty foods that people love, but also ticking all the boxes of good quality foods. So do you have any um, sort of like rules or things that you try and follow when you write a meal plan? Honestly, uh it's going to be different for everybody, for everyone's likings. But I honestly just try to set it up uh, with as enough foundation as possible, but as not enough enjoyment as possible too. I want to include a bunch of food variety so people, one, learn and realize they don't have to cut those foods out, but two, it prevents them going, you know, off track or binging later because they've had that balance. You know, most of the girls who I start with look at me and they go, holy shit, I'm getting chocolate in my meal plans. I'm getting chocolate. I'm going to lose weight. And it's like, yeah, but like because you're having four squares of it in throughout your day just to curb those cravings rather than a full block of it. Like so my honestly honestly my goal is just to include enough flavour, enough variety and you know, something that they actually want to have in their day, something that actually makes them feel good. Because at the end of the day, if they don't enjoy it, they're not gonna stay on track with it. If it's trash, they're not gonna stay on track with it. So I just yeah, I honestly include as much variety as possible, as much flavour as possible. And yeah, just keep them going that way. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's similar to what you said before. If we can factor in like little things that we like, and if we think about that classic meal that I always eat, that's like yogurt, fruit, Nutella, Nutella and all of that, it ticks so many boxes in terms of protein, fruit, fiber, calcium, all of that. And then to me, it's like adding that Nutella is like a hundred and something calories significantly enjoy that meal I will eat it physically feel full mentally and emotionally feel full like you said I look at it it's appealing I'm eating it it's appealing I will then go off into my day and not really think about food for three or four hours or whenever the next meal is because you've ticked so many boxes like we've ticked those good quality health boxes but not at the expense of enjoyment and then sort of leaving you in that mindset of like what can I have next and that's the thing, you know, you've got, you've created a balanced meal. You've got, you know, your protein, you've got your calcium, you've got whole grains in there, you've got your flavor, your fruits in there. And it's like, if you were just having a spoonful of Nutella, sure, you're, you know, everything's going to spike, you're going to be hungry, you're going to crash and you're going to want more food. But it's, we have to look at it as a whole. And it's like, that is a well-balanced meal. And we can't get caught up that we're using a measly hundred calories on Nutella for it. Because at the end of the day, that Nutella is what makes it so much more enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's it for us. Perfect. Do you want to let everybody know where they can find you? Uh, so you can find me at eats by M, uh, inconveniently it's eats underscore by underscore M. Um, but you can also, uh, find me at UFC gym in Ashmore on the Gold Coast. Yeah. You're a bit of a badass with the BJJ and the UFC and don't mess with her. I said she, I said she was kind, but do not mess with her. (laughs) She's kind, but she will choke you out as well. Literally. (laughs) No, I love it. All right. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Em. Thank you for having me a part of this. 